So for the last few weeks, um, five weeks before last week, we um, looked at uh, what it means to be a man in God's kingdom, right? What does it mean to be um, a man um, who represents God in the world? And, and the reason we looked at that is because um, um, the church on a whole is suffering a crisis of, of lack of men. Um, a lot of times men um, are just not showing up. They're not participating. They're not leading. They're not doing the things that, that the Bible kind of sets out for men to do. And, and because of that, the church has struggled. Um, and, and so we looked at what does it mean to be a kingdom man, and that series is in the back if you're, if you're interested in listening to it. Um, the last few weeks we've been looking at, um, or starting last week and probably ending next week, we'll be looking at what does it mean to be a woman in God's kingdom. Um, Ross is protecting me on the way out to the car, so if you're offended, you're going to have to fight your way through him as he steps aside and, you know. Um, <laughs> um, but I am going to duck out the side door and run away when the sermon's over. Um, <laughs> that having been said, my goal is not to offend anyone. Um, my goal is to teach what I see in the text, okay? So, so if you don't like it, take it up with God. Everybody with me? Um, that having been said, I, I, I picked probably the toughest bit of scripture I've ever preached on, and I've spent the whole week sort of struggling with it, and I'm nodding it. Um, and, and I'm going to offer what I got out of it, okay? Um, but I, this morning as I was praying about it, I, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about Jesus, actually. And so um, the day Jesus was, was arrested, um, he served as, you know, he had the Last Supper with, with his disciples. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed there, and he knew what was going to happen. And he knelt down, and he prayed for several hours. He prayed for so long that everybody around him was having trouble staying awake. And he kept getting up and waking them up and saying, hey, you're supposed to be praying. Wake up. And you go back and pray some more. It's a lot like my sermons. Um, <laughs> um, and so he, he, he's praying, and he knows what's coming, and he says, God, you know what? I don't want to do this. He said, I don't, I don't really want to do this. He said, you know, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, um, just let this cup pass me, right? Let, let me drink something else. So, but if it's your will, I'll do it, okay? Now, now this is a big deal because this is, this is submission, right? Jesus is God, he is literally God. Um, theologians, a lot of theologians, and myself included, argue that through him the whole world was created. Like everything that exists, everything that is, even the empty space between you and me, like, like he was the mechanism by which it was created. Okay? And God, the Father, right, who's also God, and they're one but separate. It's confusing. We'll talk about it another day. Um, he turns to God and he says, look, I don't want to, but if it's your will, I will. Does that make sense? Like, he specifically chose to be submissive to the Father. He didn't have to, right? God wasn't going to smack him around a little bit if he didn't. It's not like Abby cleaning up her mess in the living room yesterday. You know, she, she was going to do it. You know, she may decide she's not going to. But Jesus said, look, I don't have to. I submit to you. And, and it's out of love and out of obedience. Everybody with me? The soldiers show up to arrest him. The first thing that the Apostle Peter does is he draws a sword and he attacks, right? Because he's a man of action. And what are swords for, if not for that in opening cans? Um, so he, he charges and he cuts off a guy's ear. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't need you. 
you know, you're, you're a fisherman and you don't know how to fight and well, you swung at the guy and you cut his ear off. That's not even like effective. And so he leans down, he picks up the ear, sticks it back on the guy's head <laughs> and says, I could call 10,000 angels out of the sky right now and they would level this place. I don't need you. He didn't have to go. Everybody with me? He didn't have to. He could have stopped at any time. It was well within his power. Um, on the cross, on the cross when folks were taunting him, they taunted him by saying, why don't you go ahead and save yourself now? Why don't you save us? And he could have. And they tempted him to do it, and he didn't, right? When we look at men and women, and I, I talked about this quite a bit in the, in the previous section, right, in the, men's, in the men's portion, the model for everything is Christ, right? Christ to the Father, and then the church in relation to Christ. That's the model. So when we look at how men and women are supposed to behave, what we look to is Jesus. And what we see is submission. It's I have the right, I can do what I want, but I choose to submit. And so men... We talked about this in the first half of this. Men, in relation to your wives, you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loves the church, and that means serve, that means sacrifice, that means selfless, that means love, right? And wives stand in the place of the church. That's the lens I'm putting over this. Why? Because this is a hard passage. And I'll tell you, as I read through it, and I read through the commentaries on it, I read probably... 200 pages of commentary arguing why it should mean this or why it doesn't or why Paul's wrong or why Paul isn't wrong. And in the end, like, we're just going to look at what it says. Okay? Um, so quick notes on Timothy. And there's a lot of front-loading. I did it last week, and I was told it was boring. But I'm afraid of you women, so... Um, <laughs> um, the design and inclination of men and women and how it plays out in relationships. Men are creators, and we are doers, Right? Can I get an amen from the men? It feels good to do stuff. <laughs> feels good to finish a day and back up and look at something concrete that I did, right? This is how men are. Some women are that way, right? But men, our natural driving inclination is to control, it's to do, it's to act, right? Um, for women, women tend to be more nurturing. Is that true? Um, women tend to be more caring. They tend to be more like, 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 like loving, um, which in itself is a blessing in its own way, and we'll get to that a little later. But how does this play out? Well, ultimately, um, men are designed to stand up and lead. When men don't stand up and lead, what happens? Well, women do, right? Because somebody's got to do it. Um, that having been said, it's important to understand that. Last week, we talked about the ideal wife. It's actually... It's online if you'd like to listen to it. <laughs> um, this week we're going to look at women in the context of the church. Um, previous sermons we looked at men are supposed to be people of prayer. Men are supposed to serve. Men are supposed to take care of. Um, in Ephesus there was a problem going on. There was a group of false teachers. And these false teachers were not working with the men, which is kind of crazy. They had gathered up a group of women and they were meeting with them during the day. And they were teaching them some crazy stuff, Right? And so you had a big group of women in this church who would get together and they would listen to these guys teach and they were teaching stuff that wasn't the gospel and that was kind of out there. From the texts around this, we can kind of guess what they were teaching. They were teaching women, you are free in Christ, which is true, right? And that freedom means you can do whatever you want and you can kick your husband to the curb if you feel like it, 
or just ignore him. Um, and you can dress however you want. And it doesn't matter. And pretty much you're forgiven no matter what, so do whatever you feel like. Gets in trouble really quickly. And so this is the context. At the time, there was a sexual revolution going on, the ancient sexual revolution, where women began to do some, some pretty out there stuff. Not by our standards, but by their standards, it was kind of crazy. Married women who were supposed to wear certain articles of clothing to let other men know that they're not available had stopped doing that. And they were basically dressing to let men know that they were available because it was, you know, what they wanted to wear. Well, it's tough to be that woman's husband, isn't it? Right, men? I mean, would that bother you? <laughs> and they were humiliating their husband. Are they free to do it? Of course, but it's not good. Um, so modesty and self-control are the big themes of this passage, and we'll get into it. First one, likewise, meaning it's connected to the previous verse. I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modest. Modesty and discreetly, with, not with braids or with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. Um, there were two common pieces of clothing for, for women during the time, right? Or terms or categories, large categories. The stola. And married women and proper women wore a stola, right? It was sort of like a dress, um, and it, it covered everything, was a part of the deal, right? Not everything, but, you know, the stuff that most men don't want other men seeing in their wives. Um, you know, dressed modestly, um, and that would refer to the stola. There was the toga. The toga didn't cover everything, right? I mean, like, think toga. Um, togas were traditionally assigned for women to wear when they were working women or prostitutes, right? Oldest profession there, right? And so women would wear these togas, and it would show off the goods, and it would, you know, it was supposed to be a sign of shame, but instead it became this, like, billboard. And, and the argument is, and it's a pretty solid argument, that women had stopped wearing what they were supposed to be wearing when they were married or modest or whatever, and they'd begun to adopt some of this wilder clothing, and they were, they were, you know, sort of enjoying that they looked good, and people could see how good they looked, Right? And they were putting, they're doing their hair in certain styles that were sort of in line with that profession or in line with sort of a looser way of like behaving. And they were being taught by these false teachers, hey, do it. It's okay. Miley does, no, I, that's not right. They probably didn't mention her. Um, although as much as I hear about her, you'd think they did. Um, <laughs> dress how you feel like because it's okay. And, and Paul says, look, don't dress trashy, right? Don't put it all out there. Don't, you know, dress as an advertisement. You may be beautiful, right? But it doesn't mean you have to put it out there for the whole world to see. You can be modest, right? Does that mean they had to look bad? No, it means they had to be modest. He was calling on them to act in modesty. But I have a right to dress however I want. Exactly. But you don't have to. Right? Because ultimately we're emulating Jesus. The call for every Christian is to emulate Christ. Part of what we find in Christ is a constant humility. Jesus brings a man back from the dead and he says, All right, everybody, don't tell anyone I did this. He heals a blind man. He's like, Don't tell anyone I did this. Like, they're not going to notice that he's not blind anymore. He says, Keep it to yourself. Why? Because he's, he's keeping it in. He's not bragging. He's not, in, even his title, the Son of Man, right? He was literally the Son of God. The Son of Man was a way to refer to himself that downplayed that element to who he was. 
though he does acknowledge it in other settings. Like, Jesus was modest, and he was humble. He was not out there just putting it out there. And in imitation of Christ, part of what we're supposed to do, right, is be modest. Particularly, you know, let's think about this in terms of the marriage relationship, right, because a lot of these women would have been married. Um, if If you're advertising, if you're dressing trashy, and you're asserting your freedom, which you can, right, you're damaging this relationship. And so in the church setting, at least, which is what this is talking about, he says, listen, dress modestly. I'm going to go on. A woman must receive instruction with entire submissiveness. This is one of those passages that people have used as a bat. Anybody ever heard this? Hey, you're not supposed to talk. Um, But submissiveness is misused there, right? If Christ was submissive in the garden, if Christ was submissive on the cross, um, that submissiveness is not about being forced to do something. It's about having the option and choosing a certain way of being. Well, why would they be silent? Well, for starters, there were a bunch of women in this church who were learning some crazy junk, right? And so Paul starts, he says, stop talking. Because some of the stuff you're saying ain't helping, right? Um, Take the step beyond that. Artemis was one of the Greek gods, one of the pagan gods. And at the time, in this place, there was a temple to Artemis. And so there was an inclination to move away from women teaching and women speaking in church and women speaking in public settings because um, Artemis would have priestesses and only women leading in worship. And one of the things that Paul cared about more than anything else was making sure that we don't look like the pagans as much as possible. Not only look like, but act like and live like, right? Be different from the world. Um, I give all of this like like um, addition. Do I have a slide for it yet? Nope. We'll finish up the second half of this. 2.12. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Bat verse again. Anybody heard this uses a bat? We're going to talk about it in context for the entire thing here, right? Does that mean women are never allowed to talk in church? Well, not really, because if you look at 1 Corinthians 11, I think I might even have a slide for this. Yes, 1 Corinthians 11 talks about women praying in church and prophesying in church, right? So women were allowed to stand up and speak in church in Corinth. So that's a problem, right? Otherwise, Paul is like way out in left field because he's teaching one thing to one group and one thing to another. And so like, like either we allow them to disagree or we've got to figure out why they disagree. The next thing we find, Acts 18.26, there was Priscilla and Aquila. Aquila, my Greek's terrible. Um, <laughs> and they were teachers from Rome. They'd been kicked out of Rome, actually, for teaching about Jesus. And they were traveling around with a fellow named Apollos, right? And Apollos was um, like Paul's partner in teaching for a while. And they would go out and they would teach people. Well, Priscilla is a girl's name. And Priscilla is mentioned first in the Bible. So, like, she's given priority. So Priscilla may have been the primary teacher, but she was teaching. And she was probably teaching with Paul's troop of teachers, right? So Paul has a teacher in his group. Well, what the heck are you supposed to do with that? Either he's saying one thing in one place and another thing in another, or this is a little more complicated. My argument is it's a little more complicated. Um, Here's how it plays out. Here's my argument. In this setting... um, Women were doing crazy stuff, and he's trying to put that fire out, right? First. Second, ideally, men are supposed to stand up and lead. Everybody with me? 
Um, Adam and Eve, right? Who ate the fruit? Really, is nobody awake? <laughs> Who ate the fruit first? Who was tempted and lied to and deceived? Eve. Where was Adam during the whole thing? Standing right there, not saying a word. <laughs> he listened to her be tempted and misled, and he didn't say a thing until it was time for him to eat the fruit, too. And then he's like, okay, I'll do it, too. Um, the first failure of men in the scripture is they failed to be the leader, and they failed to correct incorrect teaching, right? Um, interestingly enough, the larger context, it's Sermon 5 from the Kingdom Man series, if you want to listen to the whole thing, right? The context for this is Paul tells men, hey, when you get home, teach your family about Jesus, right? Like you're supposed to be a teacher in your home. You're supposed to be the pastor to your home. So men, that's your job. Pastor your home, right? Um, I think actually my favorite line from that sermon, and Jess has given me all kinds of grief about it. Um, if you go home at night, and, you know, when you talk about spiritual things, I'm the name that comes up, you got a problem for a couple of reasons. The man's job is to pastor his home, is to spiritually lead his home. And so if a man is going to spiritually lead his home, that means that other people have to come underneath that leadership and that teaching. Isn't it true? Now, if there are false teachers who are running amok in this congregation, who isn't doing their job? Me. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, who said that? <laughs> in, if, in Ephesus, if there are false teachers going all over the place and misleading the women of the church, who's not doing their job? The husbands. Craig, yeah. <laughs> Somebody throw rocks at someone else. Um, <laughs> um, the men are failing to do their jobs, and so the women are being misled. I mean, same thing as Adam and Eve, right? I'm not pulling this out of my ear, by the way, because he's going to touch on this in a second. Um, so, like, he says, listen, women don't teach, and you're not supposed to be in leadership. Why? Because men are supposed to do it. Why is it happening in this context? Because the men aren't doing it. Is everybody with me? Does that mean women can't ever lead? No, it means that ideally men would lead. It means ideally men would step forward and, and take charge. When there isn't, a, you know, like a man who will, you know, put his work aside and put his relaxation aside and put his own comfort aside and step forward and pick up God's like, like, like work and do it, that's a problem. And she says, women, back up. The men are supposed to be doing this. And if they're not doing it, they're screwing up. Um, ultimately, women have an odd, difficult job in the church. Can they lead? Yes. In Christ, they have the right to do all sorts of things, right? But it's asserting the right that becomes a problem. Anybody ever get into a fight with somebody where it involved you, like where, where somebody wasn't saying they were right? You know, you're all arguing and everybody in the room's like, nope, I'm wrong. No, you're wrong. No, wait, no, wait, I screwed that up. I'm wrong. No, I'm wrong. No, I'm wrong. And you start fighting over who's right. It doesn't happen, does it? Fights usually come about when people assert their rights over other people. And other folks say, well, wait a minute, my right. No, my right. No, my right. Ultimately, harmony in the church comes about when we learn to submit to each other. And we learn to submit to each other the way Christ submitted to God and the way Christ modeled submission for us. Um, I'm going to use this example. I'm going to get in trouble for this. It caught my wife's attention. Um, Yesterday morning, I said, I, I said, oh, I haven't taken a day off in about a month. Is that right, honey? 
maybe longer, who knows. I've been taking a day off in about a month, and I said, I'm going to take Friday and Saturday off, and I didn't. Um, but Saturday morning, I said, I'm going to sleep in. I said it the night before to Jess and to all who would hear, I'm going to sleep in as late as I can. That's my goal. And as late as I could was about 5 a.m. when Abby woke up <laughs> and demanded to go to the bathroom. And I thought, well, I guess I'll take care of it. And, you know, when I got up and I took Abby downstairs to go to the bathroom, and she didn't really want to go back to bed, and so who stayed up with her? I bet it was me. <laughs> and I was up, and I thought, well, it's my day off. I'm going to relax. I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to watch TV. And I thought, no, I'm going to make breakfast. <laughs> and I made breakfast, and I thought, man, the thing I wanted most in the world today was breakfast in bed. I really did, right? The thing that I wanted most in the world was breakfast in bed, and I made breakfast. And I brought it to my wife in bed, right? And Abby ate breakfast in bed, and everybody ate breakfast in bed. It was great, but I had to get up early and make it. And in my head, I was thinking, shouldn't somebody else be doing this? But that's about my right, right? That's about my comfort. In Christ, and this is actually where this sermon kind of came out, I said, wait a minute, in Christ, I love my wife, I love my daughter, and my job is to serve them. Because that's what you do when you love someone, right? It's not about me, it's about you. And so Christ comes in and says, all right, time to cook breakfast. While greedy, selfish, evil Eric is saying, time to go back to bed and make the woman get up and do it. <laughs> Ultimately, this is what he's calling for us to do. And in the context of the church, it's tough because we want to say, my right, my way, right? But it's not about your right, your way. It's about serve the people around you and love them. What does that mean? That means the created order, the natural order. Men are supposed to stand up and take charge. Sometimes women want to do it. And they want to say, hey, you know, why don't you, you know, shut your mouth and let me do it? Ideally, men do it. Um, does that mean they can't? No. Does it mean women always have to be quiet? Actually, no, because we see women talking in church and leading parts of church in other settings. Um, but we submit. We submit because Jesus submits. Everybody with me? Have I beaten that to death enough? Do I have to run for my car when we're done? Um, 13 to 14. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve. It was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Um, this is typology. Typology is when something in the Old Testament points forward to something in the New Testament. Everybody with me? In this instance, the something in the Old Testament is the fall and the order. Pointing forward, it says, um, women, you're supposed to be pastored by your men, right? Men, you're supposed to pastor your families. When you see something on the TV that's not okay, men, it's kind of your responsibility to make sure it gets shut off. Um, when you see your kids doing something they don't want, you don't, you know, they shouldn't be doing, it's your job to make sure everybody knows that's not the way it is. Women, you're supposed to be married to men who do this. <laughs> um, but ultimately, for a man to do that, you have to back up. What's the old joke? I'm the king of this castle when my wife isn't home. Isn't it true? But it's not right. Right? It's just not right. Um... But it's about submission. It's about love. It's about standing together and taking care of each other. Ultimately, that's so hard to do. Because, you know, what if you're in a spot, ladies, where you turn around and you say, but my husband is a jerk and he's not going to do all that stuff. Can I get an amen? No. 
<laughs> don't. Um, if that's the case, you fill in where you have to, and you selflessly love your husband as much as you can, and you do your best to change his heart, right? Men, if you're in a position where you're like, but my wife doesn't, you do what's right, and you love, and you, you do your, the best you can until the heart changes, right? And you pray, you pray, you pray. Um, it's hard because it's submission, and submission is hard. Ultimately, how did the snake trick Eve, right? He said, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. Well, what's God's position? God's in charge, right? So what's he tempt her with? He'll be in charge. Think of all the power and right you'll have. But that's not the created order. The created order is submission to each other and serving each other and loving each other. And it's hard. Um, but women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctify with self-restraint. All right, this is the hardest passage in here, and I have read this over and over again, read 30 different commentaries. Here's what I got for you, okay? Typology. Old Testament points forward to something. Here we have a continuation of that. What's it pointing forward to? Well, Jesus, right? Because the scriptures always sort of lead back to Jesus. It's kind of crazy how that works. Um, all women are saved by Christ's death, right? All men are saved by Christ's death. Ultimately, Jesus came from a woman. Ultimately, we're all saved because Jesus was born a man and died for our sins. So what's he saying? He's saying, look, childbearing, that's where salvation came from. And so while you may not get to stand in this place of like, I'm in charge and I will assert my rights or else, Salvation came from you. Salvation is brought into the world by a woman. How awesome is that? And ultimately, it all comes around to submit to each other. Application-wise, here's what I got for you. Submit to each other. In the church context, you want to see every church fight I've ever been connected to or associated with, it all boils down to, I want my way and you won't do it, so I quit. Anybody been in a church fight before? Anybody want to tell me I'm wrong? <laughs> or I want my way and you won't do it, so I'm going to hurt as many people as I possibly can until I get my way. It's not Jesus. It's not the church, ultimately, because the church is called to emulate Christ. And in emulating Christ, we serve each other and we love each other. And we stand where God told us to stand. And sometimes that's standing in the gap. Sometimes that's standing in a place that's uncomfortable and isn't very fun. And we have to put our own rights aside. But that's what submission is. Men are called to do it. Women are called to do it. Children, everyone, submit. But what about my rights? Don't you know I'm equal? Actually, 1 Corinthians 11 says that. Men and women aren't independent of each other. Right? You see it in Galatians, I think. Uh, for now, there's no longer slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile. Male nor female. Like, it's not about your gender. It's about where God sent you to stand. And you do it in submission and love. Um, we're going to close with communion, actually. I'm going to call Roberta up along with my three or four people. I don't know. As you take communion today, my challenge for you... Oh, come on up! <laughs> As you take communion today, um, my challenge for you is this. Um, my challenge for you is to look at your own life and ask... Am I submitting to Christ? 